Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to learn one woman's story about her cancer journey using natural treatments. We'll also learn some facts about why you do not want to use chemotherapy. And then we will also learn about Joe Tippin's fenbendazole protocol. So stay tuned. We begin today with an article called A New Way to Think About Cancer Treatment by Rhonda Devine. You have cancer. As a wife and mother, those are the last words you ever want to hear. Life was rolling along and my days were full with caring for a family, helping my husband run our remodeling business, and putting our extra time into a church plant. And then cancer struck, not once but twice. The first time was in 2012. The diagnosis was ovarian cancer, stage 3. Life sputtered, came to a stall, but then returned to normal until 2016 when the cancer resurfaced, this time full blast with no surgery option. All both oncologists could offer was chemotherapy with no cure, and one suggested hospice. But of course, life went on around me. The first of our children to be married was looming just months away, as well as the graduation of our youngest daughter. After 30 years of homeschooling, I felt like I was crossing the finish line, and now everything once again had come to a halt. The church, fold, the church plant folded, but by God's grace, I determined I was not going to miss being there for my son's wedding and my daughter's graduation. And I wanted to dance at my son's wedding, not being home lying in bed sick and bald. There had to be another way. As a Christian and biblical counselor in training, I knew there was only one place to run for the wisdom I needed to move forward. He knew me, he knew he had made my body, and he could do what no man could do, give wisdom and healing. The journey hasn't been easy, but it has been rewarding. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Proverbs 18.10 When you are backed into a corner with nowhere to go, you find God there waiting to show you he is able. In James 1.4, we learn that when going through trials, we are to ask God for wisdom, that he welcomes our prayers for it. That is the first step when faced with hardship. Run to him. Lean into him for strength and boldly pray as a child to his father. I earnestly pleaded with him to help me, and the prayers of others were also imploring the throne on my behalf. I knew without a doubt if he didn't intervene, there was no hope. I'm alive, writing this to you today because of his power and those prayers. A year ago, I had little energy, was losing weight, and had no appetite. I asked my daughters to let me wash the dishes, so I felt I was accomplishing something for the day. The rest of the day was spent in rest. All outside activity came to a halt, just so I had the energy to attend church on Sunday. I needed that fellowship and encouragement. Those prayers for wisdom were being heard by my father, and he began orchestrating events that brought two people into my life to help me find an alternative path to treating this cancer. One was a doctor of osteopathy, the other a certified nutritionist who was also a medical technician. 
Both had experience in successfully treating ovarian cancer. The crazy part of, of this is both of these individuals lived in the area I lived most of my life, and I'd never heard of them. I began on their plan in August 2016, and can tell you as I write this now in October of 2017 that my life has turned around. Once again, I'm able to function at a normal pace, live life with a full head of hair, and yes, I did dance at my son's wedding last fall. I share this window into my world to encourage those who are facing cancer or will face it in the future. The current statistics are one in three women and one in two men will be diagnosed in their lifetime with some form of this dreaded disease. It's the second leading cause of death in this country behind heart problems. I'd say we are doing a poor job of winning the war on cancer. When I think of cancer, I think of the word epidemic or plague because it seems to be everywhere. By the end of 2015, I had lost two family members to cancer, and in the first month of January 2016, I had two friends diagnosed with cancer. One lived, one didn't. In our small neighborhood, at least half of us have had or are currently battling cancer, and that is not unusual. It's everywhere. When I began on this alternative path of treatment, I vowed I would do my best to tell others that there is hope when the medical community can offer none. That's why I share my story, to bring glory to the one who can save and the means he used to accomplish that in my life. We have been led to believe that treating cancer with anything other than the standard options of chemo and radiation is just foolish and that you're signing your death certificate if you choose that path. And why is it so crazy to believe that God put plants on this earth that help us heal? There are commonly used medicines made from plants such as digitalis, foxglove, and aspirin, willow bark. The natural chemo I used in my protocol comes from U-tip branches, which is what Taxol, one of the gold standards chemos for female cancers, was originally made from. The Bible also refers in several passages to people being anointed with oil. I mean, before there were ever drug companies, people treated with things God made on this earth, right? Is it so hard to believe that God who created the earth and everything in it actually knows how best our bodies are made and what our bodies need to heal? I believe natural treatment desperately needs a hearing in the United States. There are other countries where what I'm doing is considered normal, yet here physicians are not allowed to even consider other options. They have not been trained in the use of nutrition, let alone alternative treatments, and they can lose their license if they offer anything outside of what the FDA has approved. We need medical freedom in the United States. If the issue is the health of the patient, then we should be even more open to alternatives as it is clear that the current forms of treatment offered in standard medical practice to treat cancer are anything but healthy for the patient. The goal is for the chemo to kill the cancer before it kills you. Many times that's just not the case and the patient goes through terrible suffering before finally dying. The diagnosis of cancer can overwhelm you with fear, great fear and crippling anxiety. You will most likely be pressured by your oncologist to begin treatment right away. It's very, very easy to cave, to fear, and jump headlong into a treatment plan that you may regret later. Most of the time when you're dealing with cancer, you have time to do some research. Seek counsel, pray to God for wisdom, and then make a decision on a treatment plan. You must take control of your health. Never just blindly turn your decisions over to a doctor without first seeking the great physician and doing your own research. The choice you make for treating your cancer has drastic consequences if you don't choose wisely. Take the time to calm down and get counsel from outside sources in the medical and alternative fields 
as well as from cancer patients and cancer survivors. Look for treatment plans that have success in treating your type of cancer. Ask yourself which treatment will help you be the best steward of the body you've been given. After you do all that, then make your decision and move forward with it. For me, the choice I made was the one that offered me hope and one I knew I could live or die with. My decision was influenced by what I observed in the care of patients in my family and friends. I watched chemo hasten their deaths or leave them with lifelong disability and or secondary cancers and surgeries. I asked cancer survivors or spouses of those who didn't survive if they would ever take chemo again, and without exception, each one told me, no way. I also knew chemo can cause secondary cancers. My oncologist was honest enough to tell me that they would have to monitor me for leukemia while treating the ovarian cancer. You mean the very thing they are using to treat cancer can cause cancer? Yes. Another observation I made between alternative and standard cancer care was this. One offered help to the immune system, which is the body's line of defense, and one destroyed the immune system. Many times cancer patients die from something other than the cancer because the immune system is so weakened by the treatments given to them. You need a strong immune system to fight illness. The standard medical protocol would definitely attack the cancer and me, and me while the alternative pro- protocol would attack the cancer without attacking me. After weighing all the evidence, it wasn't a hard choice I made, and it only strengthened my resolve when I spoke with two different medical doctors who told me they would choose natural treatments themselves. Wow! My treatment plan centers around the use of a Rife machine, various supplements, diet, exercise, and some alternative plant-based medicines used and developed in Germany. Carnivora is one of those and was used by President Reagan when he had cancer. God has used what I'm doing to bring wonderful results, and I'm now experiencing remission. The treatment may be modified, but I will use much of what I'm doing the rest of my life. The very nature of cancer tends to be chronic, and anyone who's ever been diagnosed with cancer will tell you that you are a patient for life. You will have three or six-month checks and scans that will go one year after you've survived for five years. The protocol in the medical community is after five years you're labeled a cancer survivor, but that doesn't mean cancer will never return. You must remain ever vigilant because it can rear its head again at any time. To think you'll go for treatment and be cured forever is a very rare reality for most people. I found that using alternative care helped me focus more on the root cause of the disease instead of treating just symptoms, which is what cancer is, a symptom of a failed immune system. The standard protocol of chemo, radiation, and surgery just temporarily removes the the symptom and the underlying cause is never dealt with most of the time, which is why the cancer returns. Alternative care seems to focus more on why the body is failing. As a side note, please do not try and treat your cancer alone. Cancer is deadly business and you need professional help. I've seen some go back and forth between traditional medical care and alternative care, never fully embracing either and it doesn't tend to go well. If you choose to work with alternative practitioners, do their program fully with a laser-focused discipline. I'll be honest here, chemo can seem like the easier choice because it doesn't require you to change one thing. Using an alternative protocol, you will demand disciplined living in your eating habits, exercise plan, and faithfully sticking to your supplements. I spend three hours a day under my Rife machine, and I've been doing that for over a year. You're going to participate in getting well. That is so much more hopeful than just being a victim of your situation.
I have learned God can still heal today, and He can use means outside the standard protocol to accomplish it. When I was given my death sentence, my mind couldn't help going back to the story I have read many times in the Bible. There was a woman who had spent all her money on doctors, and no one could heal her. The book of Luke, who was a doctor himself, tells us that she had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years, and no doctor could help her. But when she heard about Jesus, a prophet claiming to be the very Son of God, he was coming to her village, and she had heard he was healing people. She knew he was so powerful that if she could just get close enough to touch his clothes, that would be enough to heal her. She knew he was her only hope. So I, in faith, reached out to my Savior, and he was there. Can I encourage you to do, no matter what you're facing today, to do the same God continues to write my story, and this is the journey I will be on until I finally meet him one day. He has taken what seemed like the end of my world and turned it into a platform from which to minister to others and lift him up. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Rhonda is a homemaker and secretary for their family-owned business. She and her husband are certified biblical counselors with ACBC and enjoy helping others change and grow through the teaching of God's Word. They've been married for 34 years and have four children. Their oldest is an editor for World Magazine. Their second son is just newly married, and their two daughters are still at home helping with the business and also currently training with ACBC. Rhonda's book, Hope Living with Cancer, in which she gives resources to help you on your journey, was born out of the social media posts where she chronicled her treatment plan and progress. Encouraged by friends, she shares her story so that others might find hope in the midst of the devastating diagnosis, especially those who have been deemed terminal by doctors. And again, that is Hope Living with Cancer, One Woman's Journey Using Alternative Treatments by Rhonda Devine. to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. Is four things we can learn from the lower cancer rates in India. Because ethnic populations in India account for one-sixth of the world's numbers and have some of the highest spice consumption in the world, research studies in India has great potential for improving our understanding of the relationship between diet and cancer. The lower rates of cancer in India may, of course, not be totally due to higher spice intake. A number of factors contribute to the low overall rate of cancer in India. It's one of the largest consumers and producers of fresh vegetables and fruits. And Indians eat a lot of pulses, legumes, such as beans, chickpeas, and lentils. They also eat a wide variety of spices in addition to turmeric, which constitute by weight the most antioxidant-packed foods in the world. 
They do eat a lower amount of meat, but it's only relatively lower when compared to the U.S.'s relatively high consumption, most of which is raised in commercial conventional feedlot settings. Cancer rates are much lower in India and South Asia, much lower than in Western countries. The conclusion is the report strengthens the validity of the observation that compares with whites and other Asian groups. South Asians, people of India, especially South Asian men, have an unexplained lower risk of cancer. Population studies of India can't prove a correlation between dietary turmeric and decreased cancer risk, but they have certainly inspired a bunch of research. So far, curcumin has been tested against a variety of human cancers, including colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, breast, prostate, multiple myeloma, lung cancer, and head and neck cancer for both treatment and prevention. The old saying, we are what we eat, seemed to hold true here. All of our trillion cells get replaced in every 100 days. That's about three months. So it's vital to consume life-giving, nourishing food for that replacement. Let's not ruin the grand architecture of our bodies by consuming junk. It's estimated that many tumors start around the age of 20. However, detection of cancer is normally around the age of 50 or later. Thus, it takes cancer decades to incubate. Why does cancer take so long? Recent studies indicate that in any given type of cancer, hundreds of different genes must be modified to change a normal cell into a cancer cell. Although cancers are characterized by the dysregulation of cell signaling pathways at multiple steps, most current anti-cancer therapies involve the modulation of a single target. Chemotherapy has gotten incredibly specific, but the ineffectiveness, lack of safety, and high cost of these monotargeted therapies has led to real disappointment, and drug companies are now trying to develop chemo drugs that take a multi-targeted approach. Plant-based whole foods multi-target naturally and are inexpensive and safe compared to, to drugs. Despite its vast potential for healing, though, turmeric will likely never receive FDA approval due to its lack of patentability and therefore profitability. Unless an investor is willing to risk losing the $800 plus million that must be spent up front, the FDA-required multi-phased, double-blind, randomized clinical trials will not occur. For additional details on this rather seedy arrangement, read this article on the topic, Why the Law Forbids the Medicinal Use of Natural Substances. It's an interesting footnote in American history that shortly after the Declaration of Independence, Congress declared that natural substances, as in plants or water or minerals, were God's gift to mankind and that products of nature should be limited in their patent protection. While this was a thoughtful declaration, it was actually has actually been used against those whose rights it could protect. Four things we can learn from the lower cancer rates in India. One, turmeric works powerfully, as hundreds of studies show. Two, turmeric and other spices are available, inexpensive, and safe. Three, turmeric also works effectively for Alzheimer's, pain, and depression. And four, turmeric is easy to use. You can buy turmeric as an extract, capsules, powder as seasoning in food, or raw turmeric root at your health food store. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS. 
TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. Facts about chemotherapy, toxic poison or cancer cure. Do you remember the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland? Did you know that the term mad as a hatter originated from a disease peculiar to the hat making industry in the 1800s? The process needed to turn fur into a fine felt hat required brushing a solution of mercury compound on the fur to toughen the fibers. The hat makers breathed in the fumes of this highly toxic metal, leading to an accumulation of mercury in their bodies. This resulted in slurred speech, loss of coordination, anxiety, personality changes, depression, and memory loss, which became known as Mad Hatter Syndrome. As a healthcare consumer, the following information may be very hard to hear at first, but please view this information as a gift. With information, we can take action. Fast forward 200 years and let's focus on pharmacists now rather than hat makers. Back in 2004, the CDC and the National Institution for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, released a dangerous drug alert warning that working with chemotherapy drugs and other common pharmaceuticals can be a serious danger to your health. They were right because on July 10, 2010, the Seattle Times carried the story of Sue Crump, a veteran pharmacist of 20 years who had spent much of her time dispensing chemotherapy drugs. Sue died in 2011 from pancreatic cancer and one of her dying wishes was that the truth be told about how her on-the-job exposure to toxic chemotherapy drugs caused her own cancer. The list of chemicals Crump worked with included cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, fluorouracil, and methotrexate. I'm not surprised by Sue's story because one of the effects of chemotherapy is that it actually causes cancer. Insane, right? You may have heard it said that folks who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Well, much like the hatters who went mad from the mercury, when it comes to chemo, pharmacists and other healthcare workers who dispense toxic drugs shouldn't be surprised if one day it kills them. OSHA does not regulate exposure to these toxins in the workplace, despite multiple studies documenting ongoing contamination and exposures. Studies reaching back to the 1970s have linked increased rates of certain cancers to nurses and physicians. Every oncologist knows that chemotherapy drugs cause genetic damage. Due to inadvertent spills, chemotherapy drugs have been found on floors, countertops, knobs, keyboards, printers, computers, and garbage cans. Most chemo is genotoxic, meaning that it interacts with genes, DNA, and causes mutations. And yes, genetic mutations are a known risk factor for developing cancer, while secondary cancers are a known side effect, actually a direct effect of chemo. Danish epidemiologists used cancer data from the 1940s 
through the 1980s to report a significantly increased risk of leukemia among oncology nurses and doctors. And in 2009, another Danish study of over 92,000 nurses determined that they had an increased risk for brain cancer, breast cancer, and thyroid cancer. It's really plain chemo roulette. Dr. Glenn Warner was one of the most highly qualified cancer specialists in the United States. He used alternative treatments on his cancer patients with great success. On the treatment of cancer in this country, he said, we have a million dollar industry that is killing people right and left just for financial gain. Their idea of research is to see whether two doses of this poison is better than three doses of that poison. Dr. Alan C. Nixon, past president of the American Chemical Society, writes, As a chemist trained to interpret data, it's incomprehensible to me that physicians can ignore the clear evidence that chemotherapy does much, much more harm than good. And according to Dr. Charles Mathe, French cancer specialist, if I contracted cancer, I'd never go a standard cancer treatment center. Only cancer victims who live far from such centers have a chance. Truth be told, if a person has one type of cancer and allowed themselves to be injected with chemotherapy, this person will later often develop a different type of cancer as a result. The oncologist will likely claim to have cured their initial cancer, even though a second or third cancer developed when it was directly caused by the chemo used to treat the original cancer. The serious toxic effects of chemotherapy has long been ignored by virtually everyone in medicine and the federal government. Chemotherapy drugs have always been assumed to be safe just because they're used to treat cancer. This is an outright lie. The truth is that chemo is toxic, carcinogenic, causes cancer, destroys erythrocytes, red blood cells, de devastates the immune system, and destroys vital organs. Think about it. A person's hair falls out. Their immune system is destroyed. They're constantly nauseous and often vomit. Frequent dizziness is also the norm, as are severe headaches. Are these signs that maybe, just maybe, chemotherapy is poison and doesn't belong in the human body? I'm not a doctor, but I think it's a very, very strange way to heal someone. Mike Adams says, Treating cancer with chemotherapy is like treating alcoholism with vodka. It's like treating heart disease with cheese or diabetes with high fructose corn syrup. Cancer cannot be cured by the very thing that causes it. Chemotherapy is a deriv derivative of the mustard gas used in World War I. As the Seattle Times reported, a just completed study from the CDC, 10 years in the making and largest to date, confirms that chemo continues to contaminate the workplaces where it is used and is still being found in the urine of those who handle it. Yet drugs like tamoxifen are routinely used to treat breast cancer. Even though the NIH declared tamoxifen to be a known carcinogen in 2000, the level of quackery in the cancer industry is amazing. Chemotherapy doesn't work at anything other than causing cancer. If you have cancer and are considering chemotherapy, please ask yourself this vitally important question. If chemotherapy causes cancer, how can it also treat or cure cancer? Mike Adam continues, don't let some cancer doctor talk you into chemotherapy using his or her fear tactics. They're good at that. So next time he insists that you take chemotherapy, ask him to take some first. If your oncologist isn't willing to take chemotherapy in front of you to prove it's safe, why on earth would you agree to have it injected in your body? In the 
these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. And finally, this article is Joe Tippin's Fenbendazole Protocol for Cancer. The Fenbendazole Cancer Protocol has been gaining rapid interest over the past couple of years. Now, there are numerous Fenbendazole, Fenbendazole cancer success stories. The most famous story is of a man who was diagnosed with stage 4 small cell lung cancer and was sent home with a three-month life expectancy. Joe Tippin started taking Fenbendazole, which is Panacure C, a dog dewormer his veterinarian recommended with some additional supplements. The following PET scan showed remarkable improvement, and after a few months, he was declared cancer-free. Go on Jackie's original article and see the video of Joe's fascinating story. Joseph Clark is another early documented story with, with end-stage cancer that fenbendazole eradicated. Joe Clark writes, Saying fenbendazole without vitamins will have very little effect wasn't true for me. I had stage 4 kidney cancer that had spread to my IVC, right atrium of my heart, both lungs, pancreas, hip, and spine. In April of 2019, I was deemed terminally ill with six months to live. Last-ditch treatment was immunotherapy. I was given three half doses, and it was determined that I became highly toxic from the treatment, which caused pancreatitis. Treatment was terminated. The first week of August, I started taking fenbendazole. No vitamins, no CBD. Now, the second week of October in 2019, MRI scans at Stanford show my largest tumor in my left kidney was gone, all other tumors shrinking considerably. Now, January of 2020, Stanford MRI scans show no evidence of disease, all cancer gone. I'm still taking fenbendazole three days on, four days off consistently. No vitamins. Stanford now producing fenbendazole in their lab for human studies. I'm living proof of fenbendazole treatment with no vitamins. It doesn't mean they won't help, and, but they aren't needed to kill cancer cells. All my records are proof positive and can be reviewed. Later, Joe updates, I'm still cancer-free as of t- September of 2021. See my published story provided by my Stanford Medical Center team, Dr. Sandy Srinivas. I am case number one, the 63-year-old male, and you can see the link to that on this original blog post. I still take fenbendazole three days on, four days off, one gram package. This is extremely safe to take every day, no days off, no elevated liver enzymes with this protocol. Save your life and don't let your doctors frighten you that this will harm your liver. It's just not true. God bless and good luck, Joe Clark. We have even more stories about fenbendazole. And Joe Tippins has a blog called My Cancer Story Rocks. Let's look at the three main mechanisms in which fenbendazole kills cancer. Number one, 
apoptosis induction. Cancer cells are stopped from dividing by inhibiting cell division, mitosis, and by inducing programmed cell death, apoptosis, all of which result in tumor eradication. Number two, inhibition of glucose uptake in cancer cells. Malignant cells are known to have an enormous glucose uptake. Cancer cells normally consume glucose 200 times faster than ordinary cells. This can be seen in PET scans. The metabolically active sites, which use more radioactive glucose, can be clearly seen. Fenbenzidol limits cancer cell fueling with sugar by limiting the glucose uptake while decreasing the amount of canals that take glucose into the cancer cells from the blood. Number three, reactivation of the P53 gene. There is an increasing number of studies that confirm that fenbenzazole might truly increase the strongest tumor suppressor in our bodies. These various modes of action mean that there is almost no possibility for cancer cells to develop resistance to the drug because it targets several routes. If resistance is developed to one, uh, one mechanism of action, fenbenzazole can still affect cancer cells in other ways. Furthermore, it may be used with other anti-cancer treatments owing to its unique mechanisms of action and low toxicity. I'm no longer a practicing medical professional, and I'm not a doctor. I'm a mother. I do seek scientific confirmation of the safety and effectiveness of the herbs and remedies I use. Using remedies is a personal decision, and nothing I say on this blog is intended to treat or prevent disease. Consult your own doctor. I also want to say I'd never encourage someone to do this without gathering more research and working with a functional doctor. The current Joe Tippins protocol relies mostly on substances that target cancer cells' weak points. Specifically, CBD binds directly to voltage-dependent anion channels, VDAC. Curcumin inhibits hexokinase 2, HK2, and closes VDAC pores, and fenbendazole impairs HK2 by binding to it, and through the interaction with the tubulin resulting in cell cycle arrest and apoptosis in cancer cells self-destruction. The current Joe Tippins protocol no longer calls for the addition of vitamin E. Joe Tippins main treatment protocol for fenbenzazole is relatively simple and easy. It's one gram or one packet of Panacure C. That's advised to be taken seven days a week. It's recommended to be taken with a meal. The tested Fenben Lab product is option. Secondly, 600 milligram tablets of curcumin or turmeric per day are recommended. This should be taken seven days a week. It also helps by increasing the P53 levels in the body. Thirdly, 25 milligrams of CBD oil every day. Each dropper is graduated, which allows for easy dosing to be taken sublingually under the tongue. Fourthly, berberine helps in starving and weakening of the cancer cells, so it's recommended to take it two to three times a day. Next is quercetin. That is recognized as an anti-inflammation agent, and it is recommended to be taken one a day. And finally, vitamin E, which is optional, 400 to 800 milligrams per day, seven days a week. You can also find the original product, protocol on Jackie's article, Joe Tippin's Fenbendazole Protocol. Beloved, I pray that in every way you may prosper and enjoy good health as your soul also prospers. 
3 John 1 verse 2. for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.